We're turning in the book of Ruth tonight, the book of Ruth and the chapter 1. You probably know there are two books in the Bible that carry women's names, and only two. And Ruth is one of them. Anybody any idea what the other one might be? Hmm, that sounded like a a big kid that sounded that out, so uh, very good. Before, see that? He was ready. He was waiting. He knew there were going to be questions, and therefore, he got right in before uh, you get in in the front rows. But I'm sure if we ask another, just hold on one second. I've already done enough damage up here because I have sent one orange and one apple flying. There could be more before the night sight, but I will just keep these as my reserve for those that may answer a question along the way. There'll be none just for a wee while, but we will be asking some as we go. What we're doing is reading some verses out of Ruth chapter 1, and it deals with Naomi and her two daughters-in-law. And here's what it says in Ruth chapter 1 and the verse 11. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way. For I am too old to have a husband, if I should say, I have hope. If I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? And in 14 we read, And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth cleave unto her. Just as a note, there are two daughters-in-law here. One is called Orpah. The other is called, of course, the book is named after her, Ruth. Keep that in mind. It'll probably be a question as we move on. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law was gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, and these are words that I reckon are pretty famous. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thy lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Amen. We know that God will add his blessing onto the reading of his word. And we'll bow very briefly in a word of prayer just before we come to our story or address tonight. Heavenly Father, we call upon thy name. We do thank thee for thy mercy and goodness to us. We thank thee for the story that we have in front of us here in the Bible, the Holy Word of God, the book that reveals God's mind for us, and the book that tells us of God's great salvation that is so rich, so full, so free, and so absolutely necessary. And we pray that thy word will reach our hearts tonight, and we will enjoy the story of Ruth and Boaz as we move through it this evening. In Jesus' name and to thy glory we pray. Amen. Now we're going to have some pictures, I think, on screen, if uh, this works. And at the moment... It's not working because I don't have it switched on. Right. 
in the harvest field. That's going to be our topic tonight. And we're talking about the story of Ruth and also Boaz. I didn't read about him in the Bible reading. I haven't mentioned his name just yet, but he will appear in the picture later on. But ladies first, let them dominate the story, and then we'll bring the man in towards the end. That's the way this story is going to run. So we're way back in Israel about 3,000 years ago. And unfortunately, at that time, they're running out of food, they're running out of water. There is what they call a famine in the land, and you can see how uh, things are beginning to die around the country. And so there's a family, and they make a decision. And that decision is, we're living in Bethlehem, that was their town, we're going to move away from Bethlehem. Because they heard that in a neighboring country, it was called Moab, there was plenty of food and plenty of drink. So, this family, the name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife, Naomi, and then they had two sons, and the two sons were called, I'm not expecting you to remember all these names, I'll maybe pick out the obvious ones on the way, the sons facing uh, away from us there, Malon and Kilion. So dad and mom, two sons, they make the journey from Bethlehem to the land of Moab. Now, it wasn't just around the corner. In fact, it would be like you and I starting tonight and deciding, do you know what? I'm going to walk to Balamoni or I'm going to walk to nearly Port Rush, that kind of distance. Well, Coleraine in between. But the difficulty is, if you were going to set out on that kind of a journey, say, we'll go to Coleraine, well, you'll have pretty good roads and footpaths and all that, and it won't be too hard to do it. Back then, it took them about between seven and ten days to make the journey. It was 50 miles, but it was around by the Dead Sea, arid, mountainous, really difficult to get through. I said there it would take uh, approximately how much time to do this? Absolutely right, seven to ten days. Good man. There's somebody listening. I hope you're all listening. I know you will be. Now, that's people who do the journey now. And of course, you can go to, well, you wouldn't want to go to Israel right now and try it. But uh, they went from Bethlehem, and they were making their way right through to the country of Moab. They get to Moab, there's water there, there's wells, there's plenty to eat, and they're thinking things are going absolutely wonderful. There was a problem, though. Their God in Israel would have taken care of them. He would have provided bread, He would have provided what they needed, but their trust in Him broke down. It staggered. Their trust was shattered, and that's why they made the move. So into Moab they go, but they find, sadly, going to Moab, it was the road to ruin. What happened was, that's a grave, pile of stones over a body, and that is the grave of Elimelech. The dad died, closely followed by two other tragedies because the two sons, Malon and Kilian, they both died also with their dad in the land of Moab. So there are three graves in this family in Moab. That's three graves out of four people. Now, before the sons died, they had met girls in Moab, and they had married those two girls. So we have one of their wives called Orpah, and the other was called, it has to be, it was Ruth, absolutely right. So we have two daughter-in-laws here of one woman, Naomi, and their names are Orpah and Ruth. And they come to a sad decision. 
What are we going to do now that there's no men in the family? Because the men would have been the ones that were doing the work and bringing in the income and everything else. And then there was a message came through. A message came through to Naomi telling her, back home, the place you left about 10 years before, the place you left, Bethlehem, there's an abundance of food and bread and water and everything that you could possibly want. That news came down to her while she's in the faraway country of Moab, and she looks at the grave, and her hearts are so sad. She's thinking, I'm going to have to leave my husband here, my two sons here, because I really do have to go back to the country of my birth, to Bethlehem, the city where I grew up, and I want to be among my own people, among my friends again. And so, well, she's looking pretty sad there as she looks at those graves, and she's more or less bidding them goodbye as she's deciding to go back to Bethlehem, and back to Bethlehem they go. Now, she stops and she talks to her two daughters-in-law, a bit of a pep talk, and she says to them, in all seriousness, now you can't possibly, I don't expect you two girls to go with me. One is called Ruth, that's the easy one, the other is called? Orpa is right. I could have given that to about 50 people. That's incredible. You fellows and girls are listening up very, very well. Thank you. So she turns, Naomi, to the two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, and she says, I've made the decision to go back to Bethlehem. I'm going to have… Speak to one of them, please. Uh, they'll direct you and keep you right. Uh, I'm going to go back to Bethlehem, but you two girls, I'm not going to drag you with me. This is your country. I can't take you out of your own country. And so they embrace, and there's big hugs all around. Who does hugs here? I don't want anybody coming up and giving me one right now because that would embarrass me beyond belief. Uh, okay, right, Jess, I know you're enthusiastic, too enthusiastic maybe for my liking. There we go. Very good. There's a big hug going on, big group hug of these three ladies, and Naomi is saying goodbye, and look at the tears in the eyes of Ruth and Orpah. I think no matter who got that, it would be the right one because you all answered at the same time. Ruth and Orpah. Now, Ruth says, I would hold on, Naomi. I want to go back with you to Bethlehem because I want to follow you, and no matter where you go, I'd want to go as well. Naomi says, no, Ruth, uh, you're young, and I'm not of any more children. Even if I did, you're not going to wait for them until they grow up to be like my former sons that have now died. No, it wouldn't work, Ruth. You just stay where you are. And so the two girls burst out in fresh tears because they weren't going to get going with Naomi to Bethlehem. But, and here are these famous words that in the Bible reading I mentioned, and you see them maybe in a Bible bookshop on cards. Uh, you see it sometimes. In fact, I have known people, and they've come to the front of a church to be married, and these are the words, the vows that they take. They put this into the wording. And it is, as Ruth is saying to Naomi, entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. Whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, and then seen death, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me." And those great words are found in Ruth chapter 1 and the verse 16 and also the verse 17. If you want to look them up, whenever you go home, do that and read the entire story for yourself. Now, this is 
What town are they going back to? What town are they going back to? Bethlehem is absolutely right. And uh, again, the proof is that you guys and girls have all been listening. They're way back to Bethlehem here, and they've got off the road to ruin, and they've moved on to the road of redemption. But before I explain what the road to redemption is all about, let me park a little bit and say about this road to ruin. You know, in our lives, in our lives, we can make the wrong decision. We can wander away from God. We can not trust Him. And we can look to ourselves and we can look to the world and think, you know, all that I need in life is a bigger house, a better car, uh, a lovely wife or handsome husband, and that'll be that. Or a great weekend and all these kind of things. And we find very quickly we're on the wrong track and we just crash and hit the buffers and things fall apart and we wonder what's happening because we're not walking with God. We're on the road to ruin. And the only way to be walking with God is to embrace the Lord Jesus, His only begotten Son. Now they're back in Bethlehem, and we have Ruth here. And remember, there are no what in the home. What's missing in the home? Yet is man. It is man. Okay. No man in the home, so therefore they've got a bit of a problem. They need to go, see at the end, yep, need to go, need to go, and they need to find out, how are we going to keep ourselves alive in this town of Bethlehem? Because we've got difficulty here, and what was happening was there was a a harvest going on, and what they did in the harvest was, uh, at this time, they said, if you are a widow, if you're poor, if you can't provide for yourself, then there will be Ah, in the harvest, look what I've just seen. These. So, what would happen is, and people who were cutting uh, the fields because of uh, Jewish law, they were told, whenever you cut your field, don't cut it away down so that there's nothing left in the field. Let there be other pieces of grain and wheat still sticking up in the field that poor people, widows, etc., they can come along after the harvest has been through, and they can pick it up, and therefore feed and provide for themselves. Ruth realized that could happen. She said to Naomi, that's what I'm going to do. She saw other people doing it, and into the harvest field she goes, and she happens to arrive in a field that belongs to a man by the name of, the name begins with B. I hinted it at the beginning. Somebody's going to get it. Boaz, you're exactly right. It is Boaz, and I heard the answer coming from over here as well. But the man was Boaz, who's in charge of the field here. And Ruth goes out, and she has her basin or bowl or whatever it is, and she's gathering up as much of this wheat or barley that she can into her basin, and she brings it home. And you know what? There was a time that day when Boaz came, and he he nudged his sidekick, his uh, chief of laborers, whatever you want to call him, and he said, who's that girl in the middle of the field there? Who is she? Where did she come from? And he was told that she is Ruth. She's from the country of Moab, therefore a Moabites. And he heard the sad story how she had married a Jewish man. That man had died. He was buried in Moab. And not only he was dead, but others in the family as well. Boaz came to her and he said to Ruth, Ruth, 
don't you leave my fields. You're always welcome in the fields that I have. Just go around, pick up all the material you need, and take it home and provide for your mother-in-law, Naomi, as well. And he said more than that, because he's kind of happy looking there, isn't he? Uh, he's uh, eating special fare, no doubt. But he said to Ruth, you come at lunchtime today and eat at my table. This man is called... I'm trying to get somebody who hadn't answered, so, uh, so you, yep, brilliant. That was an absolute chorus, but uh, yeah, the man is called Boaz, and what Boaz said to his men in the field, he said, see, whenever you see Ruth coming into the field, I tell you what to do. You make sure you get a pile of this stuff and just throw it out, okay? whenever Ruth is coming along, and she's in this other part, and you make sure there is plenty of stuff. Don't worry, caretaker, I'll, I'll clean it up after a little while. I will do that. Make sure there is plenty of stuff uh, in the field so that whenever Ruth is coming along, she will have plenty of material to bring home. And look at that. She appears in the door to Naomi, and she's got a fool basket or barrel. Thank you very much, man. You're doing a brilliant job. You'll get a sweet for that as well. A great job, and Naomi is so happy, and she says, what has happened out there today, Ruth? You have obviously found a very generous man somewhere. Tell me all about him. And do you know the way whenever uh, girls have their eye on a guy somewhere, and then they go back to mum, mum does a big interrogation, and she needs to know, where's he from, what's he like, is he well healed, uh, will he look after you, and all the gen she needs to know. And so this mother-in-law, Naomi, needed to drill down for all the information. And when she heard his name, her eyes just widened like saucers, and she thought, I know him. He's actually one of our relatives, and he's quite a close relative. Now, there was not only a law in Israel at the time that you kept a lot of grain over in the field for people who were poor and widows, but there was also a law in Israel, and that is if, for example, someone in the family died, then a near kinsman, that's what they called him, a near kinsman or a kinsman redeemer, they were able to come along and they were able to marry the widow and raise up a family for them and buy back all the material that they had, including their ground, their houses, and everything else. And just so that I don't forget that you get a packet of sweets for you're doing such a brilliant job. I hope you do that at home, and by the look of it, you do. So here we go. We've got Naomi, and she says to Ruth, I'll tell you what to do here. Got a little bit of a plan. Now, I was at this stage because we had a bit of a prop with these uh, wheat things. I was going to ask um, someone to take off their shoes, but uh, I will not do that. Uh, worry not. But you can see bare feet up here uh, on the screen, and those feet belong to Boaz, and he's tired, and he's worked all day, and he's lying down at night. And Naomi said to Ruth, you go and lie at his feet, and then you can approach him with this. And she told her what to say. So Boaz wakes up, and he thinks, what is happening? There is a woman in the room here at my feet. What am I going to do? And Ruth says, I'm the person who's been gleaning in your fields. You've been very generous to me. And do you know what I find out, Boaz? You're part of the family of Elimelech and Naomi. You're a near kinsman, in other words. And what you can do if you want, and do you want to hear it? 
This was a girl who approached this man and said, will you be my husband? Just like that. So, I mean, if you're getting all tongue-tied and you're stuttering and you're all embarrassed and wondering how you do it, then take a leaf out of Ruth's book because that's what she did. Will you be my husband? I'm sure Boaz was completely stunned. But what he did say was, we all know that you're a virtuous woman, as in the Proverbs chapter 31 type that uh, we read in the Bible as well. You're a virtuous woman. And he said, it's true that I am a near kinsman and part of your family circle in through Elimelech and Naomi, but, but there's somebody closer in terms of a relative, a relative than I am. And that person would have the first say as to whether they chose to redeem you to be the near kinsman. And he said, what I'll do tomorrow is I will sit… Brilliant. Thank you very much. Well done. Well done. He said, I will go out into the city, and I will sit at the gate of the city, because that's where they did business. Where did they do business? Well done. And again, could have given about 20 of those. In the gate of the city, they're doing business, and he is waiting. And can you guess who he's waiting to come along? It's not Ruth. Can you guess who he's waiting to see that day? Absolutely, the closer relative. Man, are you listening well? The closer relative the near kinsman. Yes, he's waiting to intercept him and say, now, do you want to have her and all the property and everything else? Are you going to buy it back or will you clear the way for me? So, Boaz sees him and he calls him over and he says, there's land available, there's territory, but you need to buy it. And here's the deal. If you take on the territory, you also take on the wife. So, you have to have Ruth as your wife. And when he discovered she was from Moab, Oh, no way, no way. If you want her, you have her. I'll have nothing to do with that. And so he backed out. And we have Ruth, and she's gleaning again in the field of Boaz. And who's that coming along? It's Boaz. It's Boaz. And he's coming. And you know what? Can you smile? Can anybody smile here? Well, I'm looking for a big, wide smile, and I'm getting some. What about this side? Are they any better? Yeah, well, the smile on Boaz's face was incredible. Ear to ear, he was beaming. And he said, Ruth, I've got good news. The other fella doesn't want you, doesn't want your land, doesn't want the property because you're part of the deal. That leaves the way clear for me. And so Boaz came as the kinsman redeemer, that's the word under Jewish law, kinsman, redeemer. And he took Ruth as his wife, bought all the property that Elimelech had formerly. And yeah, they pretty much did live happily ever after. They had a baby son, and they called him… Anybody know? It's a hard name. Obed. Anybody called Obed here? Obed is what they called him. But then… Obed, when he grew up, married, had a son called Jesse, and when he grew up, married, had a son. Yes, I could let you tell the story. David, it was. David, totally one of the great kings of Israel, came down the line. And you know, if you keep reading in the Bible and you get to the book of Matthew, 
What do you find is in the line of Ruth and Obed and Jesse and David, and then you keep going until you get to? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is born of the seed of a woman, and he comes down this line in the tribe of Judah, and what a pairing they had between Boaz and Ruth back then. But the story of the kinsman redeemer, what it points to us is, what it pictures for us is the Lord Jesus Christ going down the line because He came sent by the Father to be a redeemer for us. In other words, we were in sin, couldn't buy our way out, couldn't work our way out, couldn't ever be good enough for a holy God to accept us. We needed somebody from the outside to come in and to take our place and buy back ourselves. We'd wandered away from God, and it's only Jesus Christ. And He is called God's Redeemer. In fact, in the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 49, the verse 7, thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel. So, remember that. I'm going to ask a question on that in a minute. Isaiah, Isaiah 49, verse 7, the Redeemer. And then when I go right over into the New Testament, I get another verse with redemption in it, in Ephesians 1 and 7, and it tells me, in fact, it gets me to the cross where our Lord Jesus was crucified, taking the weight of our sin upon Himself, dying for me, dying for you. And here's what Paul writes, in whom, pointing to Jesus, in whom we have redemption through His blood. That's the price He paid, His death, the shedding of His blood, through His blood. And what do we have as a result? Ruth had a new husband, a new family, a new place to live, new ground to work, we have forgiveness of sins, the biggest blessing ever according to, and it's not a small blessing, it's according to the riches of His grace. I mentioned a verse in Isaiah at a moment or two ago. Can anybody tell me what chapter it was in? 49. It was Isaiah 49. Yes, it was. And then the verse that we had in Ephesians was Ephesians chapter 1 and the verse… Verse 7, do you know, I think there's only one way to do this and make sure all you boys get at least a biscuit on your way out tonight because uh, you have answered phenomenally well. It means you've been listening tremendously well. And now we're going to close because this hymn brings us to Christ the Redeemer. <laughs>